Hi everyone, I'm Jeremy. And this is Mike. Welcome to House Calls Podcast, a call-in show where we answer your home-related questions. Hey, call 1-800-511-6842 to join in the fun and have us answer your questions now. Michael. Yes, JK. <laughs> it is great to be back here in the booth. It Happy really, New Year. Yep. Happy New Year to you and everybody out there. The holiday season is behind us. How do you feel? Did I you, feel good. Did you make it? You tell me. Did Santa Claus come? <laughs> did he? Uh, Santa Claus did not come. Wow. So, Michael. Yes. The last time we were in the booth, we recorded with Mike Burner of Family Handyman Magazine. I enjoyed it. Me too. I think he enjoyed it. I agree. Hopefully all of our 15,000 subscribers loved it as well. Everybody, I got a bunch of emails. Did you really? We got a bunch of phone calls on the house calls 1-800-511-6842 telling us how much they loved Mike Burner and Weekend Handyman Magazine. Family Handyman Magazine. Family. <laughs> isn't it Weekend Handyman? It's Family Handyman Magazine. Are you out of your mind, Brett? You better cut all of that out. (laughs) And Uh, we got a bunch of callers calling in, telling us how much they loved Family Handyman Magazine, Mike Burner. Unfortunately, JK, he didn't love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's right. He had a real affinity towards you. You mics stick together. Well, you know, the archangels. That's right. JK, who do we have on the line? We have Todd. Todd? Todd. Todd who? I can't say his last name. Where's he from? I don't remember if he's from Saratoga or Ballston Spa. All right, let's get with it. Hello? Todd, this is Jeremy calling from House Calls. And Mike. How are you? Todd, what's going on? I'm doing all right. You guys doing all right? We're doing all right. We're doing well. Happy New Year. I have to say I'm excited to have you on the show again because I feel like this is a, this is a hat trick. Very true. Very true. I feel like I need like a rewards card or a loyalty card or something. <laughs> Todd, remind us where you're calling from again. Saratoga Springs, New York. Okay. Right. So, this is Todd's third time on the show. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, we did the we did the first call yeah. where we talked about the water heater mm-hmm. and the metric system. Yeah. And then the follow-up about the water heater where he skipped my advice and listened to yours. Good man. And he can't get enough of us, so he called in again. And um, here we are. What's going on? All right, uh, number three. <laughs> so uh, this involves my... Uh, my deck and uh, my small dog Marty. Um, uh oh. Yeah, Marty. Marty's a little guy who loves going on our deck, but um, he's getting into the lint from the dryer. So let me explain what's going on here. <laughs> um, the, the previous owner built the deck and put it right up against the house. I mean, there is no gap or anything. So bad so, news. Right, right yeah. up against the house. It even goes all the way to the ground and the skirt all the way around. But um, so the the washroom where the washer and dryer are, the exhaust comes right out on the deck. Oh, um, it's about four to five feet from the ground. So I couldn't I couldn't like punch through another wall and route it so that it goes you know more to the grass or the yard. I am totally stuck with this exhaust on the deck. So I, every year I change the style of exhaust 
port. I don't know the technical term, but I've done the one with the little flap. Yep. I've done a little flap, you know, to keep critters out. Yep. And then I'm out there with my shop vac, vacuuming up lint. And then the next year I did a, like a circle style that's kind of spring loaded. So the exhaust pushes mm-hmm. it open, it blows. And then when it's done, I've done a gridded type. That's kind of like a cross hatch um, cover. So I'm vacuuming so much and it's gotten in between the planks on the deck, causing them to all be plugged and blocked. And now Mm -hmm. I've got cooling water. So I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I I need to know kind of what is there an option? Could I run? I thought, Oh, maybe I could run the aluminum tube that, you know, is typically inside the house. Could I just run it all the way out along the deck and then kind of, pump it outside through the railing on the on the deck but that's like a five feet run that would be outside so i'm curious what you think i might be able to do the things that you're referring to the different styles i would call that a wall termination okay okay so let's refer to that as the wall termination you know in one sense you want to maybe put it under the deck so that uh, the dog can't Mm -hmm. get to it and that you're not blowing the lint right on the deck Maybe it might look a little bit nicer. Is there a concern about pumping some of that lint under the deck? I know, you know, this is sometimes considered a, you know, a fire hazard if it clumps and dries. And take the termination point that Jeremy's talking about—the exhaust that goes right on the exterior of the house. Like you said, you you change this every year, so you know you got the flapper kind, whatever. So what you're going to do is you're going to take that right off right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get a 90 degree fitting and it's going to be a flat. You're, uh, how do I describe this? It's going to be, yep. so the tube coming to the outside edge of the building is round. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get, you're going to get a junction that goes from round to flat. Okay. And you're going to run that flat down along the house. Mm-hmm. And then on the bottom side, after it goes through the deck, it goes back to round, and you can put one of those termination points, one of those uh, one of those hoods, basically, mm-hmm. down under the deck. Right. And no, I wouldn't worry too much about lint because with time it'll disintegrate and all that stuff. But one of the questions I have is, why are you getting so much lint outside yeah, your dryer that's thing? A good, I mean, I clean the dryer right every time we do a load and dry it. We always pull slide out that yeah. that mesh catch. Yeah. I, I even run along, you know, a small vacuum down in there periodically to try to get stuff out. So, yeah. I mean, yes, part of it may be my dryer is not uh, is not the best and producing some uh, some lint. I have the same problem as Todd. I have to my wall termination. I have to clean weekly. It's not a very long run, and we're still cleaning lint out of the lint trap in the machine itself. And I have to clean that wall termination weekly. And I think I think that it's something that you're going to want to have access to. Is there access under the deck? No, there is no access point. That's a problem. Yeah, I would not route it under the deck. Okay. I th- I think if I think if you're cleaning it that much now, if you put more bends and more elbows, unless they're super mm-hmm. smooth inside, it's going to be m- more places for that lint to start getting trapped. If we if we can kind of paint the picture for each other, is the dryer in the basement? No. It's in the first dryer, floor. First floor. Same floor as the deck. How long okay. how long is the dryer run? How long is the exhaust run? Oh boy, what's a dryer cycle? I don't know. Let's say roughly forty five minutes. No, no, I mean in linear feet. Of, linear feet. 
Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, two feet. Yeah. So the dryer. So the dryer right out the back, and bang, I'm at the wall. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I think very simply, and maybe it's not simple, and and maybe you can tell us if this is possible. Can you just change the termination point? So inside that laundry room, can you just make mm-hmm. it go through the wall higher? You know, that's interesting. I could, but then aren't I going to, I'm just going to have the same problem. It's still going to blow on the deck, right? Just higher up. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've got, I, about, I don't think it's so going to be, that, I've got about four or five feet to get to the lawn, to get to the yard. Yeah. I'm just wondering, could I, yes. Is that too long? No, no, no. You can go long. That elbow joint no. And then, Do you have a basement? Do you have access to a basement? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you may want to run this in the basement, under the deck, out along the house. Does that make sense? Oh. I know it's a lot of work, and you might have to go through a masonry wall, which would be which would totally suck. But mm-hmm. uh, so my dryer run, it makes a ninety degree turn right out of the dryer, goes up about a foot, yeah. then makes a ninety degree turn and runs about ten feet. Oh wow. And then terminates outside. Yeah, it goes through. A, it goes through a different room. It's a long story. So mm-hmm. it actually has quite a distance to it. Now I changed the exhaust hose to be a smooth section of, you know, exhaust pipe. So they're just linked right. together, nice and smooth, screwed, so they don't fall apart. But I can tell you firsthand. I had a client once who had a dryer vent tube, and it was smooth. And it was chock full of lint. I mean, there was, if the tube is six inches in diameter, there was probably a two two inch diameter where the actual exhaust, yeah, it was pretty bad. So I was like, wow, even on a smooth tube. So you cannot assume that because it's smooth, it won't catch lint. It'll still catch lint. It just buys you some time. Yeah, nothing is maintenance free. Yeah, nothing is. And if if you're going to, there's two things that come to mind that are concerns about running any type of exhaust outside number one make sure that there's if there's any type of pitch on the pipe outside or inside if possible have it pitched down and away from the house why (laughs) because because if you're taking warm moist air and pumping it into the cold saratoga springs winter you can get condensation And you don't want that condensation dripping back inside the pipe into the house. Good call. Number yep. two. Yep. One way to achieve that is to essentially use an air-sealed pipe. So rather than use um, just dryer ducting, use mm. four-inch PVC pipe. You can use four-inch sewer pipe. You can use four-inch aluminum round duct, and all three of those will be relatively easy to seal. So the four-inch round duct, you can seal with duct seal, which you paint on with just a a cheap chip brush. Or tape. Right. Or tape. The sewer pipe, you can essentially, quote-unquote, glue together with silicone. And then the, the PVC pipe, you would actually you know, glue together, but those will air seal mm-hmm. that, that pipe. And if it's pitched down in a way, right. you shouldn't get any condensation back into the house. Oh, great. Excellent. 
hopefully yep. you, you can no, you, you can solve uh, this lint problem. It very helpful. You guys gave me uh, some different ways of thinking about it, and uh, now it was good hearing uh, kind of the distances that you've run on on some of your dryers. So, oh yeah, no, this was great. I, I appreciate it. Again, uh, great advice. Sounds like you're in a crowded house. I am. I am at a dinner party, and uh, <laughs> all of the guests are now very well versed in uh, dryer maintenance. <laughs> are we on speakerphone? You are not. You were almost on speakerphone. Can, can I you, can put you on. Yeah, speaker yeah, yeah. Do like. it. Yeah, we want to say hi to people. Do it, please. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. This hi. is Mike and Jeremy at House Calls Podcast. You're on the table. Everyone is uh, around you. Nice. Hi. What's going on, everyone? <laughs> this is a first for us. If you'd like, we could ask you some other questions. Go for yeah, it. Absolutely. Go for it. This is Steve. Hey, Steve. Steve how okay. are you? We have um, an old garage, one car. I don't know, maybe, what would you say, 400 square feet or less. Yeah. Old wooden structure. Nice. And you fantasize about building a second floor on that. Ooh. Uh-huh. Um, how do you get to know if that's possible? Do you need to tear it down and start over? What's the, the first step in terms of planning something like that? First question, how old is it? The house is from 35. Okay. The, the, the garage is probably later than that. Probably 1950s it's, or 70s. It's wood, yeah. It's, it's made of you know, two-by-fours and, okay. and wood. Second, second question, what is the foundation that supports the garage walls as it stands right now? I know. I've looked at it, but I don't know the technical answer to it. There's clearly some poured concrete there. It's sitting on poured concrete? Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's a good, that's a good sign. That's good. Yeah. And then the last one is what was the, what were the studs in the wall? So are they two by four or two by six? Oh, you can tell they're old two by fours that yeah. are actually two by four. Okay, good. Why do you want to build a second story? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even say it was just a, a bare space that could be an office slash kind of exercise room. Yeah. Up up to including a, a, a full blown small apartment, but I don't even know in ballpark wise what we're what we're talking about. So first of all, if you do this job, let's just say legit, meaning the the municipality that you yeah. live in. Yep. Ultimately, it's going to be up to the building department. Yep. And the municipality, maybe even the zoning board, that's going to say, yes, you can do it, or no, you can't. Right. And and based on what you've described, you have a foundation, you have a concrete foundation. It doesn't have to go down into the ground very deep. And uh, and as long as it's used for storage, which I recommend <laughs> you just design it for storage. He's putting, I, I can see it in his eyes, he's putting storage in air quotes. <laughs> And then if there's only 400 square feet down below, you have a real issue with how you get up to the second floor because you can't put a set of stairs on the inside. So you would have to have a set of stairs on the outside or some sort of access, a ladder, et cetera. So with all that said, you can probably build a second story on this. Or if you didn't want to build a full eight-foot second story, you can also build like a four-foot knee wall and then put the rafters on top of that four-foot knee wall. Which would get you plenty of headroom. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you do go forward with this project, make sure that you are engaged with, A, a contractor that knows what they're doing. Yep. B, a designer and or architect that knows what they're doing. Yep. And C, and maybe most importantly, just see what the um, 
the the municipality is going to let you do. Right. Because in the end, I mean, you can argue with building inspectors about, you know, how much foundation wall it has to have or anything right. like that. And you might win by breaking out the code books or, or, you know, you might do a little research and find out what the international building code specifies, whatever. But the bottom line is you don't want to start an argument with a building inspector. And usually whatever they say, you just do. Because... You always want them on your side. So get them involved early. And usually they'll just tell you what you need to do and go for it. I agree. I've always felt that whether it's a kitchen remodel, a bathroom remodel, new construction, I think it's always important to just flat out approach the building department and say, you tell me what you want to see and we'll build around that. Right. Is that helpful? Yeah, it's very helpful. It's a very good starting point. Thank you. Let's what? keep going. Do you have a third person there we can talk to? Oh, yeah. We, we have him others. There are other <laughs> Here goes our whole show, Derby. That's right. Let's just All keep right. going. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back in just a short bit. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Hi, Angela. <laughs> Hi. So let's let's imagine that uh, last winter, homeowners discovered in rather catastrophic fashion that there was a long time slow leak with their upstairs toilet. Okay. And once they brought in a plumber, he discovered that about a four by four square area of the bathroom floor was just sawdust. Very common. So we see it all the time. So carpenters come in, they strip everything down, put in a new floor, put in tiling. But since the tile has been installed, uh, these hypothetical homeowners (laughs) have had the contractors in not once but twice to replace the grout. Right. And it just keeps cracking up and pulling out of the the space between the tiles. Yes. So um, what? What are our options here? Do we just keep calling them and they just keep jamming more grout in there? Or No, there's something going on here. There's, there's two things right off the bat that I'm thinking are wrong immediately. One, the major reason the grout will keep cracking out is because the tile's not set proper. Okay. So if there's like a screw underneath or something that's underneath two or three tiles and it's not letting them to sit proper, then... It's always going to happen. Now, if it if if you're having a grout problem just in this four by four spot, it's all over. Oh, it's all over. Yeah, I mean, not that the bathroom's that big. Okay, so here's another thing. I highly recommend, and I've probably said it on the show before. I highly recommend that if you're putting tile over a wood floor in any fashion. There's always reverberation in a wood floor, always. No matter how well it's built, you stomp your foot on the floor on a wood framed floor floor joists, you're going to have a little bit of reverberation. So that reverberation over and over again will will cause the tiles to wiggle mm-hmm. and will cause the grout to, to eventually fail. If you have more reverberation, it's going to fail faster. Okay. One of the things I recommend, it's, very, it's not very expensive, but it's quite expensive, is e- epoxy grout. So when you put down a tile floor, especially like a remodel, kitchen, bath, in a wood over wood frame, use epoxy grout because epoxy grout is wicked stable, very strong, okay. doesn't stain. Uh, 
It's a little bit difficult to work with, and it's a little, a little difficult to work with. It's it's not that bad. It's like it epoxy grout is the worst no, of not, all building materials. It's to not work that with. bad. It's not I would bad. I would rather sand drywall than spread epoxy grout. Okay, so whatever you do, don't call Jeremy to do your to do your tile. But <laughs> but I highly recommend using epoxy grout for any tile put over a wood floor. Okay, I I, I have to. I have to give my two cents now as well. Instead of reverberation, let's just call it movement. When we tile, whether it's new construction or remodeling, 10 times out of 10, the floor joists themselves are wood. The subfloor is wood. If the, su- if the existing subfloor is not at least three-quarter thick, we add another layer of plywood subfloor, okay? If it's, okay. So if the existing subfloor was half-inch, we add another layer of half. It was if it's three quarter. We call three quarter good. Either way, we always go back through and refasten it so that you're mitigating any movement or flex of that subfloor. Mike's shaking his head. Over the top of that, we put a layer of thin set mortar. Embedded over that thin set mortar is a layer of quarter inch cement board. So now you have a cementitious layer that is bonded to the subfloor mm-hmm. and we set our t- we set our tile on that cementitious layer nine times out of ten we use traditional just portland grout mm-hmm. i understand what mike's saying about using epoxy grout there are new grouts out now that are actually urethane grout mm. they perform like epoxy grout they're a little bit easier to use they have the same characteristics as far as they flex uh, they don't stain uh, they are a little pricey, but they perform very, very well. So I don't want to disagree with Jeremy, but <laughs> when you add up all that half inch plus three eighths and all that, that ends up stacking the floor quite high. So if that works for you, go for it. You're always going to have tile that fails in a wood building unless you understand how to eliminate the reverberation or, in Jeremy's case, <laughs> movement. So... Um, yeah, hopefully that helps. We have a nine-year-old. I don't think we're going to be eliminating reverberation. <laughs> Probably not. And 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 also to to be fair, this is a hundred and fifty-year-old house. Oh, where nice. Nothing is plumb. Yeah, that's yeah, that's excellent. Well, you've given me a lot to think about. All right, I appreciate your absolutely. All right, All right. we, we want to we, right. we we want number four. Who's next? <laughs> I I have a fourth question. <laughs> who, who is this? Who is, is it? Todd. You can punch my loyalty card. <laughs> wow. All right. All right. So near the dryer uh, exhaust. <laughs> Back to the dryer. Is, uh, uh, little Marty, the dog, who gets in the lint, also like to escape down the stairway on the deck. Oh, nice. So I threw together a quick gate. Yeah. I just very simply took four pieces of wood. I made a frame. Yeah. Um, with some. One by twos, and then I did some one by slats so that he couldn't sneak through them. Yeah. So just picture a square. Very nice gate. Thank you, Jill. Yeah. Very nice gate. Painted it white. Got Primed it. it. Painted it. Yeah. So it's a square with straight slats, and it's got a nice latch. All right. Yeah. So fast forward a whole season, a winter and a summer, my gate is now a trapezoid. Yeah. Aha. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking about barn doors. Right. And classic barn doors have like this angle 
this piece of wood that's on an angle. It's called bracing. Like a Z, yeah. Yeah, it's called Thank bracing you. or cross so bracing. The is, do I go from the bottom of the hinge side to the top of the latch side? Like, which, which way does the Z go? Does it go top of the hinge side down to the bottom or bottom of the hinge side to the top? Bef- bef- this is Before, a great. This is a, it is a really good question. question because there's a lot of listeners out there who really they have this same question. Yes, and uh, before we answer that question, I'm gonna answer your question with another question. When you built this said gate, did you use the metric system? You know I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did use the metric. Well, that's why I failed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So you have to you have to picture. The some people put these cross braces or these X braces or these diagonal braces on doors for a look, but they actually do perform a function. And so, if you are looking at this panel and the the slats or boards are they're vertically oriented, yeah. And that let's say the hinges are on the right. What you would want is that brace to go from top left. To bottom right. Wait a second. What? Hinges? No, that's not right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Wait a second. The hinges are on the right? The hinges are on the right. So you want your cross bracing to start from the top of the hinges and go down to the bottom corner farthest from the hinges. I disagree. No I way. I think it goes yeah. the other way. No. No, pic- picture that top. Listen. No. No, listen, listen, listen. Picture <laughs> the t- Todd, picture, picture the... Picture the picture I'm trying to draw. <laughs> Hinges are on the right. Yeah. You're looking at this square, this rectangle. Yeah. The top left corner wants to drop. That's right. Okay. You got it. That's right. And if it wants to drop yeah. and you put a brace from the top left mm-hmm. down to that fixed point on the bottom right, yeah. it will resist dropping. No. See, Jeremy's flawed here. This is flawed thinking. Oh, I on. caught him. I caught him. So check. It took like, how long have we been doing this? A year? I finally caught you in a bind. Here's <laughs> here's why I'm going to, Todd, this is why you want to hang it from the top hinge down to the bottom corner. Because think about it. When you hang a door, right? Which hinge carries the most weight? Is it the bottom hinge or the top hinge? Um, that was a question for me. Or even Jeremy. Go ahead. So when you take a door off of, of, off of, a, off of a, a jam, which hinge do you remove first? Do you remove the top hinge first or the bottom hinge first? I, I usually, rem- if there's two, I usually remove the bottom first. Yeah, and the reason why is because most of the door is being held by the top hinge, right? The minute the top hinge is unscrewed, the door falls away from the wall and now becomes a floppy mess, right? So it's the same philosophy when you're hanging onto a brace or at least when you're trying to support a freestanding gate. Now that gate is a square, like you mentioned. So it's just floating out there, but whatever suspended is real heavy. So that's the part, if the hinges are on the right, that's the part on the left. So basically that top hinge is carrying all the weight. So that bracing should go from the top hinge to the bottom corner on the left. And that creates basically an arm that holds that bottom corner at all times. It's the same thinking as a door with hinges. So basically that top hinge has to support that bottom corner. And the way you make that happen is to run that bracing from that top hinge down to the far corner. Does that make sense? Yes. (laughs) Did mine make sense though? But did mine make sense? 
Yeah. <laughs> it, do, it does. It does make sense. The problem with Jeremy's uh, theory here, and it's a good theory, it does make sense if everything's fixed to everything. But you got to remember that left side of the gate away from the hinges is floating out there in space. So technically, when that left side starts to droop with the bracing in the other direction, you're still going to get a trapezoid. That brace is now just going to be slightly out of the place it originally was. I mean, I think the only way to really solve this is for Todd to make two gates. <laughs> there are two stairways, Todd. Todd, here's... Oh, an- do it. Do it for us, please. Todd, here's another fix, a really quick fix. You can go down to Lowe's, right? And you can get this... Um, it's They make it for screen doors, wood screen doors, typically, because they're the ones that fail. It's, a, it's kind of like two rods with a turnbuckle in the middle. And you mm-hmm. basically screw that rod and then turn the turnbuckle until it picks up the corner that's drooping. Now, here's the thing. When you put those rods on that gate, make sure that the top (laughs) part is at the top hinge and and the other side of that rod is down at the bottom corner of the side of the gate that's standing out in in midair. You'll find out that you're going to turn this turnbuckle maybe one turn every year because gravity never sleeps, right? So it's always pulling, and wood is wood is always moving. So you're going to turn this turnbuckle a little bit every year, and you're going to be like, "Wow, it dropped again!" But yes, it's always moving. Well, when I vacuum the lint, I'll turn the turnbuckle. <laughs> do it! <laughs> oh, you only do it once a year. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right. So, so, right. so, what did you guys have for dinner? That's what the listeners really want to know. We haven't eaten. You you kept us from eating. Okay, now Uh-oh. wait. I thought I heard you say you're moving chips on the table. So are you guys playing cards? No, the no, potato no, chips. Listening to our podcast. Nice. Okay, great. Well, listen. We don't want to keep you. We'll let you go. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks for calling. We had fun. This was a fun one. Guys, happy new year. Yeah, happy new year to you guys. Really, thank you. This was this was a lot of fun for us too. Thank so, you. Yeah, uh, thank you guys. All right, and once again, make sure you tell your friends. One eight hundred. 511-6842. Find us on housecallspodcast.com. We're looking forward to taking your calls. Sounds good, guys. All, All right. right. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeremy, I finally <laughs> got you. I got you in a pickle, buddy. Oh, stop it. It took like a year. No. I think you got me before. Nah, we have, we have different ways of going about things, but neither one is right I, or wrong. I know, but I still think mine's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was that was fun. I didn't think we'd get what was that was four questions in one yeah. call. So got to be part of a dinner party. Yeah, well. Saratoga Springs. You know, we can't always have the luxury of patching a phone call into a dinner party. That's absolutely right. So what do you do when you have a dinner party? <laughs> Your call one eight hundred five one one six eight four two, and you get the best bang for your buck, right? If you have home related questions design-related questions. If you are a tenant, you're a homeowner, you're a contractor, you're an architect, you're a designer, you're a prospective homeowner, and you've got questions, give us a call, 1-800-511-6842. I think there has yet to be a question that we have not answered. Stump the show, try us. All right, signing off another House Calls podcast in the books. But uh, hopefully Jeremy learned something. And oh, remember, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, call 1-800-501-6842. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great month.
Thanks for listening to the House Calls podcast, recorded at Silver Hollow Audio, with your hosts, Mike Wentland and Jeremy Castle. This episode was produced by Brett Barry, distributed by Anchor. Be sure to click that subscribe button and call us so we can feature your home question on the show. 1-800-511-6842. That's 1-800-511-6842. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.